Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Good morning, Opelousas. Who's ready for Christmas? Come on. Christmas time and we're not celebrating out there? I told the first service, said, come on, you guys. You must, you, must, you must be getting some coal underneath the tree or something. Who is ready for Christmas? Come on. Listen, at my house, we're having Amazon packages come from the sky. Huh? Courtney is decorating all types of places in the home everywhere we go. We got glitter everywhere. I I might have some glitter on my face right now as we speak because she's doing it up in the house and we're so thankful for it. And that gifts are coming in everywhere. Who likes gifts? I know everybody likes gifts. Well, you know, when I look at the Christmas season, I look at the gift that was given to both me and you, the gift that keeps on giving. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so when I ask you who is ready for Christmas, I just mean who's ready for Christ. Huh? Now that's a better response for Jesus, right? Because Jesus has done so much for both me and you, we can't forget about it. And I'm just reminding our church, yes, there's going to be gifts. Yes, there's different things. We see Santa Claus out there. We see reindeer out there. But don't allow those distractions, even with your kids, to keep you from speaking to them about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins. Can you you guys make me a promise on that? That with your children, you're going to talk about Jesus. And hopefully after this message, you might be able to speak to them about this message, which could help your kids as well. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. I'm, I'm holding you to it now. Holding you to it. Well, we want to thank God, first of all, for our pastors, Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi. They are not here today, obviously, but we have them in there in our prayers. Um, We're just grateful for them, for everything that they are doing, not only for this body, but also for the body of Christ from a local perspective and also a global perspective. Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi, they're doing things, uh, a lot of things that we don't know about. Uh, But I can tell you what, they're doing a great work for God. So can we put our hands together for our pastors? And for those who are here for the first time, my name is Pastor Myron. I'm the associate pastor here at the Our Savior's Church in Opelousas. This is me, y'all. This is me. Uh, Well, today I want to continue in the series, This Is Our Story, And what a great story and what a great series we've been in. All the way from Genesis, and now we're taking you to Matthew, the first chapter. And we're going to be speaking to you about the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus, right? This is the season, so why not come up and bring that today? This is a very interesting word that God has given me. I can tell you I did not expect it when looking at Matthew, the first chapter. But this is something that I think is very important. Matthew begins this chapter with Jesus' genealogy. Does anybody know what a genealogy is? Okay, if you don't, 
It's, your, it's like your family tree. It's like going to Ancestry.com, right? Has anybody gone to Ancestry.com? You looked at your family, and some of you may have found out some things that you don't want to claim some people. Somebody that's been living on the side of you for years could be your third cousin or something like that, right? You don't want to claim that old uncle that's causing problems at the family functions. But, but I want you to know Jesus had all types of people in his genealogy, in his family tree. And the great thing about Jesus is that he didn't exclude any of them. Every single one of them, regardless of what they have done, they are in his genealogy. He claims them and he died for them. That's something that we should be excited about in God's house, that Jesus, he includes people, right? It's not that you're less than or greater than, but Jesus comes in this genealogy with all these different types of people, and he includes them. And I believe that Matthew 1, it was an inspired work by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to begin this book with the genealogy, and most times, church, can y'all admit, just like me, sometimes I skip the genealogies. And I begin on a word that I think is important. But how many of us know that every single word that God has inspired is important? And what I have done to myself and what I would have done to you if I would have skipped the genealogy and just go straight to another story, I would have robbed you from a revelation that God has for you today. Because Matthew was speaking to his audience was primarily the Jews. That's the book that he's written, primarily for the Jews. And the thing about the Jews, they knew the Bible. They, they were looking forward to the Messiah coming. But one thing that they didn't see, they didn't put Jesus all the way back to Genesis. They knew about Genesis. They knew about the prophets. They knew about the promises, but they didn't include Jesus in those promises. So there were some Jews that still did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And you know what? There are some individuals today that's in our generation. They still don't believe that Jesus is the anointed one. So hopefully today, as we speak about the genealogy of Jesus, there'll be some revelation for the church, and even you will be inspired by the true word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it was important to begin this book in this manner, and I'm talking about Matthew, because his audience, as I mentioned, was primarily Jews. And the thing about what the Jews understood is that Jesus would come from the lineage of David. That was preached in the Old Testament, right? In fact, even in This Is Our Story, Pastor Eugene, myself, we've also mentioned some of these promises and some of these prophecies that point back to Jesus. Don't you remember that? And if you don't remember, we're going to help reflect upon you so that we can bring that to your attention, okay? Um, and I want you to understand that without the proof that Jesus was the Messiah, I don't think that Matthew could have caught their attention. I think that if Matthew would have started out just with the story of Jesus and not going through the genealogy of Jesus, the people in Jesus' background, I think the Jews would have missed out on something. I think the same today for us. A lot of times, we have to stop, even as preachers and teachers, we have to stop in our teaching and say, hey, did you get it? No, no, Pastor Martin, I didn't get it. 
Oh, okay, let's come back and revisit it. Did you get it? No, Pastor Mike, I still didn't, didn't get it, right? So some of us, it take a little while to get it. And I think Matthew, all he was doing was going back to the Jews and saying, hey, did you get it? Did you catch it? Because I'm going to show you the genealogy. I'm going to show you uh, the background of where Jesus came from. And if you can get this, if you can understand that the Messiah came through certain lineages, then you could, I can go ahead with the other story about Jesus, and then you'll be okay. Okay? So I, I want to give you some things, just prophecies and promises of the old that were well known by most Jews, y'all. And I want you to follow with me. This is just simply going to be a teaching. If you turn with me to 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter, verses 12 and 13. I'm going to read some passages of the scriptures that the Jews were very, very well known. They knew these scriptures, but I'm not sure if all of them had connected the dots between the Old Testament and when Jesus was born. Because Matthew wrote this book about two to three decades after Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Follow with me. Verse 12, when your days, and this is Nathan speaking to David, the prophet Nathan, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise you up, I will raise up your offspring rather after you, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, a lot of Jews, thank you, Vic. A lot of Jews, they took this passage as thinking it was David's son, Solomon, and that's true. Solomon did build the temple of God because God told David that he could not do it. So Solomon next in line built the temple of God, and also Solomon did reign. But I want you just to look at this, the end of this scripture, the last sentence of these verses. It says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This is all pointing back to the what? To the Messiah. The Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would come through the line of David. And this scripture the Jews knew about. When you look at the house, I'm going to build the house of God, the temple of God. Today, who are the temple of God? What's the temple of God? We are the temple of God, right? So when you start to look at it, they were focused on Solomon, and that was true. Solomon would rebuild the physical temple, but in the new dispensation, when Jesus comes, now the Spirit of God lives and resides in whom? In us, and we are the temple of God. Amen? When you're talking about ruling forever, can man rule forever? The scriptures say the kingdom of God is at hand. So once Jesus was born, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the rule and reign of God. And it's Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he rules forever. Amen? That's something for us to get excited about. Now, this particular prophecy by Nathan was over a thousand years before Jesus was born. One thousand years before Jesus was born. Let's keep on walking. Let's look at Genesis 12, verse 3, because all I'm trying to do is to paint a picture in terms of what Matthew knew about the Jews, and he was reiterating this through his genealogy, and I'm going to explain to you that later. In verse 12, it says, and this is God speaking to Abram. Remember that? Because, Pastor, you preached on this, and it says, I will bless those who bless you. 
And him who dishonors you, I will curse, or I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Speaking to Abram, right? Follow along with me. Now let's go down to uh, Genesis 12, verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, or to your seed, I will give you this land. So what Matthew was saying, so what the Bible is saying, so what God is saying is the Messiah, right, is the seed of Abraham in whom all nations would be blessed. Are you following me? Right? This particular prophecy was over 1,800 years before Jesus was born. You see the time and the space? And God, to fulfill prophecy, certain things just have to happen. And that's why Pastor Scott was mentioning to us about having patience, church. Let's keep on going. Because this is one of my favorite, favorite chapters and verses when it comes down to Christmas. And that's Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses 6 and 7. The word of God says, and this is given to Isaiah, the prophet, and he's prophesying to the people of Israel. For to us, a child is born. Let's stop right there. For to us, a child is born, right? That means that the Messiah had to come to this world in the form of a what? A baby, all right? I want us to keep those things clear because he could have come as a, in the form of man. Remember, the first Adam came as a full-grown man. The second Adam will, is coming or did come as a what? As a baby, all right, so just prophecy being fulfilling, and it goes on to say, to us a son is given, which means that Jesus, or the Messiah, the anointed one, would be a male. You see how the prophecy is coming into play? And now that we know this, right, we know this now in the new dispensation, but a lot of the Jews, like I said, did not believe this. So I believe that when Matthew started to give them the genealogy of Jesus, and we'll get to that, I believe he gave it to him because the Jews were already aware of these prophecies. And then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. How many of us need a counselor today? How many of us need guidance today? Right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Isn't he a mighty God? Now, this is not saying that this is the name of Jesus, but what the Isaiah is saying that these are the attributes of Jesus. Isn't he a wonderful counselor? Isn't he a mighty God? It goes on to say everlasting father, not meaning that he's the father. He's God the father. It's only meaning that Jesus is the author of our creation. He was there. Listen, y'all. Jesus was already there. He's an eternal being. He was there before he was what born in the womb of Mary. And then it says Prince of Peace. As a pastor, as a leader, I look upon this world, we look upon people, we have so many different counseling sessions, and you know the one thing that comes up in everybody's life is that they want and they need peace. But I can tell you, church, there can be no peace unless there is peace between you and the Father. Did you hear me? There can be no peace in your household. There can be no peace in your heart until there's peace with you and the Father. And the only way that happens is through the mediator, the Son of God. Amen? Verse 7, of the increase of his government and of, and of peace, there will be no end, right? 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom. You see where the prophecy is being fulfilled? To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I want you to hear the words forever on the throne of David. And again, this is a fulfillment of God's great covenant with David. You see the prophecies? And you see how when Jesus is coming, those prophecies will be fulfilled? This particular prophecy, y'all, was by Isaiah, who lived 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. It's believed that Matthew wrote this book, like I mentioned before, about two or three decades after the death of Jesus. It seems necessary to first point out that Jesus is the chosen one before attempting to talk about the virgin birth and other details of Jesus' life. Can you see that if Matthew just started out with individuals that probably didn't believe, if he just started out with the virgin birth and the miracle of God, even most of us in this room, it catches us by storm. Come on, that couldn't happen. Think about all the doubters. Think about when you, when you get upon atheists, when you get upon agnostics, they can say, oh, there's a God, but oh, there can't be Jesus. It's no way possible he can come from a woman where the Holy Spirit came upon her and a virgin birth happened because virgin birth, that's an oxymoron within itself. Can virgins have children? Mary could because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing impossible with God, church. So through Jesus, through his genealogy, Matthew provides three areas of proof that Jesus is the Messiah. And I'm going to show you that in a second. But here are the areas of proof. In that genealogy, you see, number one, the inheritance of kingship is through the line of David. That's important, number one. Number two, the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. It came through Abraham's seed, right? I think we just heard of, we just saw those scriptures. So what I'm doing, I'm giving you some insight in terms of what the Jews already knew. Keep following me. And then number three, the legal evidence of the messianic identity of Jesus through this genealogy. Because this genealogy came through Joseph. Was Joseph the father of Jesus? Now, now we, we're teaching today. Joseph, Joseph's seed never, ever came across Jesus. Now, legally, legally, right, because he what ended up, he married Mary, he became what? The earthly father, but not in terms of his seed. All right? So what the Bible is, the Bible is just teaching us and showing us that Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but through the genealogy of Joseph, Jesus was legal in terms of his claim to the throne through the line of Joseph. You following me? Okay, just, just stay with me. Because look, while Matthew provides legal proof of Jesus' messianic identity, look at this. The book of Luke provides biological proof through the genealogy of his mother Mary. Okay, this says that Jesus was the Messiah and in Mary's genealogy in Luke, it goes not just to Abraham, but it goes all the way back to Adam. Keep following me. Keep following me. Let's look at Genesis 3.15 because we want to have proof to this church. We're going to be able to go outside there and speak to people and say, yes, Jesus was in the Old Testament. Are we seeing where Jesus is? Good. Let's go to Genesis 3.15. It says this. I will put enmity between you 
And let me pause right there. That's after Adam and Eve sinned. Okay? This is after the fall, and now God, the Father, is cursing the serpent. Okay? He's given him the curse, and this is the curse. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring, and look what it says, and her offspring. And some translation says her, your seed, the woman's seed. Now think about this. What I just mentioned, was Joseph's seed a part of Jesus being born? The answer is no. Joseph, Jesus was only a part of the woman's seed, and this is being what? Prophesied right here by God all the way back to Genesis. Do you see Jesus in the Old Testament? Okay? Listen to this. Well, let's keep on going. It says, he shall bruise your head. That means the Messiah shall bruise your head. That's God talking to what? To the, to, uh, to the serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, people say that Genesis 3 is the first gospel. That's the first good news. That's the first news of salvation right there. Let me prove it to you, okay? I want to go back to, and you shall bruise his heel, speaking to the serpent. And this is a very important point because the heel is the part of the serpent, is the point where the serpent can reach you very accessibly. Think about if you're a serpent, you're on the ground. He's going to strike what? Your heel. The most accessible part, right? To the serpent, all right? Now think about the heel. The heel represents Jesus' humanity. Not Jesus' deity. It represents Jesus' humanity, which means he could strike Jesus' what? Humanity, and he did that. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why Jesus, what? People forsook Jesus, right? That's why people accused Jesus of the wrongdoing. That's why Jesus was flogged. That's why Jesus was whipped, because the enemy, what? He struck Jesus, boom, on the heel. So he could touch Jesus' humanity, but he could not touch Jesus' deity. And then it says, he shall bruise your head, which translates the Messiah will bruise your head. Because in Jesus' deity, yes, he had to die on the cross in his humanity, but his deity, what happens when, a, when you have a serpent? Where can you kill a serpent? Can you cut his tail off and, he kill, and he's dead? Where do you kill him? You strike his what? So Jesus gave the enemy, the serpent, a death blow on the cross, died for our sins, and death couldn't hold him in the grave. Oh, death, where is your sting? Do you see what I'm saying? So do you see Jesus all the way back to the Old Testament? Okay? This prophecy, this word of God from God the Father was over 4,000 years before the birth of Jesus. 4,000 years. It tells me that even after the fall, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they knew Adam and Eve was going to fall, but they had a redemption plan for me and you. What that means is that God loves us. What that means is that we're his prized creation. What that means is that God wouldn't allow us just to go to hell where, the, where sin would just come and occupy us and just take us, all of our bodies. God said, no, 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 I'm the Savior. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, all the way back in the book of Genesis. I'm going to let everybody know. I'm going to let the Jews know. I'm going to let the Gentiles know that Jesus is real. 
genealogy, and this is what just blew my mind, y'all. I want y'all to know this. In Hebrew, genealogy is translated to the word Genesis. Genesis means the beginning. Genesis means origin. Genesis means birth. There was a new beginning with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, and the kingdom of God. So the first Adam, right in the Garden of Eden, he sinned. The second Adam, under the new dispensation, it's a new beginning that we're starting. We're in the new beginning. We're in the kingdom of God reigns today. The new kingdom is that Jesus is Lord and Savior. He came to this world. He's sinless. What the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam was victorious. Can I get an amen? amen? Listen to this. Both the Jews and Gentiles had entered into a brand new era when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus is the second Adam. He's the king of kings and his kingdom now reigns forever. Where did you hear the word forever? In the prophecies of old. Back in the Old Testament. So don't let anybody tell you that Jesus is not there. Don't let anybody tell you that Jesus, oh, he was a created being in the womb of Mary and had no existence before then. That's a lie of the enemy. Now, let's go back and let's get into the genealogy. Let's see what it says. Uh, Matthew 1, verse 1. And we're going to pause right there. This is important. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now let's go back to Jesus Christ. Matthew didn't waste any time about letting the people know that Jesus was the anointed one. The name Jesus means Yahweh. Huh? It means Yahweh saves. That's what Jesus means. Anointed, right? Christ means anointed. So the anointed God saves. He's telling the Jews right from the very beginning that Jesus Christ, because they knew Jesus. Because some of the Jews even said, hey, is that Jesus, the son of Joseph? Huh? They trying to put him in a, a, a man's seat on him. No, no, that's Jesus, the Messiah you're talking about. Jesus was a very common name in Hebrew time, right? They might have had 50 million Jesuses walking out there. You go to South America, you might have a few Jesuses. It's all good. But it's only one name, the Bible says, that every knee shall bow and tongue confess Jesus is Lord. It's only one name that's here on this earth that you can be saved. Huh? It's only in the name of Jesus. So listen, you, everybody can have the different name, but when that name is, pray, is pressed on the, on the word of God, on God becoming the flesh, when that name just comes back and activates with Jesus Christ, that name has power now. When that name starts to match up with Jesus Christ, now there's authority in this world. So I'm telling you, saints, in the name of Jesus, that's why we pray. In the name of Jesus, that's why we heal. In the name of Jesus, that's how sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Then Matthew, he goes back and says, the son of David. So what Matthew was saying to the, to the Jews He's saying, hey, I'm giving you proof who Jesus is through this genealogy. I'm letting you know that he's come from the line of David, the Messiah. And you know this, Jews. 
You know that Jesus comes from the line of David because I've, I've already, what? I've already spoken to you the scripture on that, right? Second Samuel. He comes through the line of what? Of David. You know that. I'm just giving you more proof that he's the son of David. And then I'm going to give you even more proof and say, you know what? He's the son of Abraham. So Jesus being the Messiah, all of it lines up and it started back all the way in the beginning. And now we have a new beginning with Jesus Christ in this new dispensation. Are you following with me? I want you to turn with me to Matthew, the first chapter. Let's go to verse 2 and 3 because now we're just going to the genealogy. And as I mentioned, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I encourage you to do that because there's some interesting stuff. And not just read it, but study it. It start, Matthew starts it off as Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now we see a woman there, Tamar. Some people pronounce it Tamar. There's a woman, right? And I'm going to come back to that because ladies, I think I got a word for you today. Okay? Then it goes on. So that's how he starts it off. And so uh, all the way, it's like it's 16 chapters. It's talking about all these different names. And some of us, listen, we get lost on our second cousin. <laughs> right? Who, who's your great-grandmother? I don't know. <laughs> but, but now Jesus is going back century after century after century. And thank God that the Jews kept a really great collection of family, right? Because family was important to the Jewish custom. Okay. And thank God they kept the collection because now you and I, we can benefit from this message. Now we know where Jesus came from. Okay? Matthew uh, 1, verse 16. Let's go there. At the very end of that genealogy, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph. That's, that's the Joseph married to Mary. And then Matthew goes on and says, The husband of Mary. Now, a lot of times you can just go straight by that. But Matthew wanted to take a pause for the reader to understand that Jesus did not come from the seed of Joseph. Jesus came from the seed of the woman that was what? That was spoken by God all the way back in Genesis 3. Jesus came from the virgin Mary. Matthew is just giving them proof after proof after proof. And if you don't believe in the genealogy, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else Matthew could have done. I don't know how he could have just spoken to the people so that they can get it. And you know what? Some people just won't get it. But it doesn't mean we don't, keep, we don't stop preaching the word of God. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called, and look, this, he says Christ, the anointed one. He's let him to know that, y'all. Okay? Now, when you look at the husband of Mary, I just told you that it's letting everybody know that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, right? And impregnated her. The miracle from God. So I'm here to tell the church, don't let anyone tell you that Jesus came to this world any other way because that's a lie of the enemy. We're going to be an educated church. We're going to be a church that has revelation. We're going to be a church that we're going to speak truth to people out there, right? The genealogy, and this is important, also includes other women 
which is very rare in Hebrew culture. All right? Listen up, ladies. In Hebrew culture, it was a very strong patriarchal patriarchal culture. It means that men kind of looked down upon women. Not kind of, they did. Now, we know that today, that times are definitely changing. Now, do women still have some, some struggles to go through? Absolutely. But I want you to know, in that genealogy, Jesus included women. That was rare because men wouldn't even mention women's names. But that's not Jesus. That, that's not the new covenant. That's not who Jesus is. L- look at these women. Look at the rare women. He, I, I told you about Tamar, right? What about Rahab? Uh, Miss Heidi taught on Rahab. Rahab was, a, was a, a Gentile prostitute, right, in Jesus's family. What about Ruth? Ruth was a Moabite. What about the wife of Uriah? That was Bathsheba. Bathsheba, many scholars said that she was a Hittite just like her husband. Going back to Tamar, many people believe that she was a Canaanite. So these, all these four women represented God's grace. God's grace. Because women, has women been exploited throughout times? Yes. Has women been thought of as being lower than man? Yes. But Jesus Christ, in his genealogy, he comes back and he says, no, the word of God speaks to Matthew and say, no, put these women in there. If you look at it, church, Jesus' family was of mixed ethnicities, right? Mixed ethnicities. And they were all sinners just like you and me. With that being said, nobody can be excluded. And I don't think you heard me. Because there are some individuals that don't think that they're good enough and they keep walking a mediocre life. And Jesus, through his genealogy, said, no, 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 you're included. So if you're saying, oh, no, I've done too many bad things. I can't be included in the family of God. I'm going to tell you, well, what happened to Rahab? Well, what happened to Tamar? Because Tamar sold herself as a prostitute to her what? To her father-in-law. There's some things that happen in our church. There's some bad things that go on. But don't exclude yourself because you're doing some bad things. Because we serve a forgiving God. If you give it to God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus will forgive your sins. You're in the family of God. So we're going to start acting like the family of God. Right, church? Come on, can we give God some praise? And and ladies, can I just say this? Can I get your attention? The world may overlook you, but Jesus won't. There's some women that may have been abused and may have been mistreated by some men. There's some people that may abuse you and misuse you, but Jesus won't. Jesus said, I'll stick closer than a brother. Jesus says, I'm a father to the fatherless. I'm a mother to the motherless. I want you to know, ladies, that there's a friend in Jesus. There's a friend in Jesus. While many Jews worked hard to prove that the Messiah was strictly for them, Jesus' genealogy proves that he came for all people. And this is a great quote by F.B. Meyer, a great evangelist, American evangelist. It says this, men and women, notorious for their evil character, lie in the direct line of his descent, of the Messiah's descent, of his family tree. 
This was permitted that he might fully represent our fallen race. You are represented. Now listen, before you clap. Remember, Jesus had to come down as a baby because he had to experience everything that we experienced. If he would have come in as a grown man to this earth, then we would have said, well, Jesus, you don't know how it is to be a teenager. You, you don't know the struggles of all these things going on in my body and all this happening. You, you wouldn't understand that, Jesus. Maybe some of our kids would say, yeah, Mom, Jesus is for y'all because he's grown, but he's not for me. No, Jesus came to this earth as a what? A newborn baby so he can experience everything that we experience, so that he can be tempted in every way that we're tempted. But you know what? He was tempted, but he did not sin. So now let's go on to the story of Jesus. <laughs> Look at what Matthew says in Matthew 1, 18 through 21. Now, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. It's almost as, as if Matthew said, I got to give you this, y'all. I've got to give you these things before I can move on to some more important things. Because Myron Guillory, I just braised through the genealogy, and I would just go, you know what I usually do when I'm reading my Bible? And, I, and I'll, I'll be transparent. I, I just go to verse 18. But, but it's something about the Holy Spirit stopped me. I believe it was the work of the, of, the, of the Spirit of God that stopped me and said, no, Myron, this is important. You need to read this. Because I had to read the genealogy of Jesus before I can get to the virgin birth of Jesus because if I didn't, I would have missed something on Jesus. And I've been missing Jesus this whole time in my 46 years just going over something, going over something when Jesus had something right there for me and you and it was a revelation that it could change our hearts. Don't skip over God's word. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Virgin birth, right? And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Men, we'd probably do the same thing. I don't know if we'd do it quietly. And I'll get back to Joseph because this, this is a man of God. But as he considered these things, because he was, he was wrestling with some stuff. Now, can, can, can you imagine, men? That's, that's, that's some weight. I mean, I'm like, my wife, you can tell me anything, but God, you, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit did what? That might be a tough one for Pastor Myron. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, listen to this, son of David, lineage, pointing back to the Messiah, Joseph, I'm speaking to you, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. 
Now listen, while Jesus was in the womb, dysfunction was brewing in the family. And I can see why. Because men, you know it. If that happened, as I just said, many of us would not hold our tongues. We might blow up the house Mess the woman's reputation up, go on social media, go on Facebook, tell our friends everything. And you know what adultery was in those days? Mary, if she was found guilty of abortion, she would have been stoned. But this is something for for we men. This is a character thing for we men. Even though some things happen to us and it's bad things that happen, we can still do the right thing by God. No, that's a word for you, men. That's a word for you, men, because you know what happens when you don't have self-control? When people do just the smallest thing to you, you just go out of control and you want to have vengeance. And the Bible says vengeance is mine. You know why God says that? Because you can't handle it. You will judge somebody. You will whip somebody. You will do it prematurely. But our God is patient and his judgment is just. Joseph had thoughts of doubt, distrust, and divorce because he thought his wife had been unfaithful. And the one thing about marriage in those days, this was the Jewish custom. First of all, there was the engagement. And this is when the bride and the groom's parents arranged that marriage. And I I, kind of like that, especially for my my little daughter. Uh, You know, Sadie's not in the room, so I can say some things. I can talk about her, but I... Courtney, I I don't mind that. I I think we need to go ahead and maybe find a young man for our daughter and not have her pick for herself. I kind of like that. (laughs) That, That's just me saying. Okay? Amen. (laughs) I got amen. I got men in amen corners going, like, yes, Pastor Byron. You're preaching the word of God. And then the next phase was the betrothal stage. And that's where it made the previous engagement official and binding. And so it was officially, it was husband and wife. That was the name of it, right? And that betrothal would last about a year. Okay? It would last about a year, and the only way that you can break this betrothal was to divorce. So now you see why Joseph is considering divorce, because hey, I, I might be able to squeeze myself out of this, because I don't know about that girl. I don't know about her. And then the last phase was marriage, and that took place after the wedding. So it was, he was right before the marriage, okay? But I'm sure God knew he had to do something supernatural in order to convince Joseph. Right, men? I would have to hear the angel of the Lord <laughs> while I'm sleeping and have a vision, and I, I'd have to, I might have to be, it may not even be a dream, I might need to hear the audible voice of God for me to get my mind right. Come on, Brother D. <laughs> so God knew he had to do something supernatural to get Joseph's attention, so that's why the angel of the Lord came to him, right? God's purpose has to prevail, church. Do, do you hear me? His purpose has to prevail. So Joseph, in other words, the angel was saying, Joseph, relax. Fear not. Chill. (laughs) This pregnancy is divine. It's divine, Joseph. And I know God had to do that because he knew Joseph. And it's like, no, no, Jesus, now's the time. Now's the time. 
let's look at Matthew 1. Let's look at verse 22 on why this was the time. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's the prophet Isaiah. Fulfill to complete, to come to fruition. These things had to be done. Okay? And look at what the prophet Isaiah says. Behold, this is Matthew speaking about the prophet Isaiah, quoting Isaiah's prophecy, okay? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, okay? When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, I want to go back to that last point, but knew her not. It is very important, church, because there's been some doctrine that has been taught to us that is not right doctrine. There's been doctrine even in our community that says Mary was an eternal virgin. Have you heard of that? Verse 25, that's not Pastor Myron speaking. I'm, going to, I'm just going to lay this on you very, very briefly because we've got to go on with time. It says, but Joseph knew her not, which means he didn't have sexual relations with his wife until when she had given birth to a son. Are, are we catching that up? Now, Joseph is a man of integrity. Joseph safeguarded the validity of the virgin birth, which means, men, he respected, he honored Mary, and he also honored God. Now, that's the word for our men. He respected, he honored his bride, his wife, and he honored God. He says, I will not have relations with her because the the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus Christ is in her womb and I don't want to do anything. There's no seed that's going to touch this young man. She comes, he comes rather, from the seed of a woman which goes all the way back to Genesis 3. We see Jesus Christ. Are you following me? Matthew quoted Isaiah seven fourteen. And I want you to know that all of God's prophecies and promises will be fulfilled. They will all come to completion at the right time. And I want to give you encouragement that you can trust God. We've been going through this is our story for the whole year. And all you seen was the faithfulness of God. And so I'm wondering, are you picking up what God is telling you? I am faithful. Even when you are unfaithful, I cannot be unfaithful because that's my character. That's my nature. Are we trusting God today? The virgin birth fulfills the scriptures, y'all. Listen to this. God made something from nothing when he created the heavens and earth. So how could we not believe that God could allow the Holy Spirit to come upon Mary and have a virgin birth in her womb? 
How can we say this is not true? Because listen, if you say this is not true, do you truly believe that in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth? Because Pastor Eugene said this, if you can't get Genesis 1-1, then there's no need for us to keep on going because if you don't believe that God made the heavens and the earth, you're not going to believe anything else in the word of God. So if you believe that God made the heavens and the earth and there's nothing impossible with God, that's scripture, then you can believe that Jesus, what, came from the Holy Spirit, was not from, what, a man's seed. Are y'all following me? Do you remember Genesis 3.15? I want to go back to it. That scripture is so important. The first gospel is what some theologians call it. And gospel is just the good news of Jesus Christ. Just letting us know that that, that scripture talks about salvation. And for this promise to be fulfilled, Jesus had to be fully divine in order to offer himself as a pure and holy sacrifice to his father. Hear this. This is why we talk about he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Jesus had to be fully divine in order to be a a pure and holy sacrifice for God. He also had to be fully human, sinless human, in order for him to die on the cross for our sins. Because if he had any sin in him, Jesus could not die on the cross for us. Our sins would not be forgiven and there's no redemption power in him. Fully human, fully God. Fully human, fully God, and came together in perfect harmony. What a, y'all, this blows my mind about Jesus Christ. Where the first Adam fell, the second Adam rose up from the grave and was victorious. Adam couldn't do it. Adam came into this world. He was innocent, right? But then he allowed the serpent to fool him. And when he ate of the tree, the knowledge of tree of good and evil, when he ate of that tree, his innocence was gone. And once that innocence is gone, you have to have a redeemer to bring you back in relationship with the Father. So me and you, we're all born of the seed of man. We are all born in sin. So Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be redeemed and have a relationship with the Father. That's the new covenant. It's through the blood of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. We don't have to do like back then where they had to continue to sacrifice animals in order for their sins to be forgiven. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. No blemishes. The Lamb of God. This is what Jesus did for you and me. So when we talk about, are you ready for Christmas? I think the next time in the house, when a pastor, when a preacher, when a leader, when somebody says, are you ready for Christmas? There's going to be some saints that start shouting. When you understand the real story, when you go back to the genealogy, 
When you go back to Jesus was all the way in Genesis. Jesus was in 2 Samuel. Jesus was in Isaiah. Jesus was all throughout the Old Testament, going through the New Testament. The what? The good news of Jesus Christ. You can't stay on your, in your seats. It, it makes you feel some kind of way. It makes you be thankful for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you thankful this morning? Don't we serve a good God this morning? That's why we can believe in the name, Emmanuel, God with us. This title not only speaks to God's deity, not only that Jesus is deity, God with us. He's God, right? It, it also talks about God's nearness. We're walking around sometimes as if God's not there, God's all the way up there. Can I get your attention? God's here. You remember when I talked about your body is a temple of God? When you are born again believer, now I'm talking to believers. If you don't believe in Jesus, your body is not a temple. The spirit of God cannot reside in anyone who what? Shuns God. But when you are born again believers and you believe in him and he is your Lord and Savior, your body is the holy temple that the spirit of God resides in. So we no longer have to act like God is all the way up there. God is within us. He indwells in us. It says God with us, his nearness. You can't get any nearer than on the inside of you. So as a believer, I can walk differently. As a believer, I can think differently. As a believer who's going through some struggles, it's not, well, God, come and save me and rescue me all the way from there. No, 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 no. But what your God is on the inside of you and the power of the Holy Spirit has given you authority over the enemy. We, we no longer have to keep, oh, it's, 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 it's the devil's fault. It's Satan's fault. No, sometimes you're doing things because you're doing things. Sometimes it's just your fault. It has nothing to do with the enemy. Because listen, I'm telling you, we have authority over the devil. We can go out into the streets of Opelousas and we know there's some demons walking through there. But by the power and the authority of Jesus, we can cast them out. Are you receiving it? Do you believe it? When you look at the name Emmanuel, it shows how low God bent down to save us. <laughs> he added the nature of one of his creations, us, to his own divine nature, accepting the weaknesses, frailties, and dependency that the creation experiences. The almighty savior of the world came to this earth and he became like us so that he can rescue us and deliver us from sin which had bondage over us. Because without Jesus, we'd be living in sin and it would have bondage. We'd be slaves to sin. But God said, his father said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And my divine plan is that we're not going to give the enemy that much power. In my divine plan, Jesus, 
I'm going to send my son Jesus to come down to this earth. And that's why I can get excited about John 3.16, one of my favorite verses that says, For God so loved the world that he gave that precious gift, that precious gift. He gave his only son that whoever but believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Death, where is your sting? The grave couldn't hold him down. Which means when Jesus overcame the enemy, we also overcame him. That's why the Bible says we are overcomers. We're his prized possession. We don't have to have mediocre thoughts any longer. You don't have to think that you're low, that nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, that you can't do this, you can't do that. Oh, I'm from this family. My family never accomplished anything. No, with the power of Jesus, you can do some mighty things. I think I'm speaking to someone, Opelousas. He sent his son, y'all. He sent his son, his only begotten son. And all we have to do is believe. We can also be in that family tree. You don't have to be born a Jew. That's what the Jews thought at that time. Oh, you, you only, I, I get into the kingdom of God because of my birth. No, that's not true. You get into the family of God by the second birth. Your first, first birth has nothing to do with it. It's your second birth and you have to be born again. The second birth, now, when you have the second birth, you're adopted by God. You are holy people now. And so with every head bowed, all eyes closed, there's, there's someone who's looking for a second birth because you've been born of the flesh and now it's time to be born of the spirit because Jesus is spirit. There, there's a new beginning in you. There's a genesis in you. We're living under the new dispensation. We're living under the dispensation of grace. Not the law, but grace. 